Well, we've finally got it here at the Ballsy Podcast exactly the way I wanted it. It's just me and nobody else. Uh, Kevin Sherrington is on vacation. Uh, David Moore is back from vacation, but David is uh, on the phone and not in the office, so I can control him. Can I concur- Can I control you, David? Well, since you told me I had to do it by phone and I could not come into the office and do it in the studio with you, I, I assume you've already won this battle. Aha! I've outsmarted you once again. <laughs> um, <laughs> not difficult, I may add, but... Uh, so, David, you are you are back uh, hard on the hard on the job. How was your vacation? Let's get to the stuff that I really I mean, care about. My vacation was wonderful, Evan. Thank you so much for asking. Uh, I was actually on foreign soil for five consecutive weeks. Um, so you were in Oklahoma. <laughs> that is alien soil. I don't know if it's foreign soil. Oh, okay. um, I was, uh, no, I was, spent a little bit of time in Spain and uh, a little bit of time in Scotland. Spain and Scotland. Very nice, David. Very nice indeed. Um, Not the pairing most people expect, but uh, very enjoyable. Were, were you in Scotland this past weekend with uh, the president? I was not, oh, okay. but my my time in Edinburgh was, I got there... 12 hours after the queen was there, and then I left at six days before our president arrived. But all of the clips on the, on TV showing me protest, I was walking those, those very streets and was in that very spot a few days before. Did you Isn't think, that fascinating, Evan? It is fascinating, David, to think that you and famous people have walked the same streets. Um, I, it's fascinating and, for me. I don't think they really care. Uh, I I spent time last week walking the same streets that that Paul Revere and uh, uh, other American heroes of whom I can't name any uh, walked. No, I think uh, <laughs> uh, we did. Inner the, Harbor. You walk around the Inner Harbor. Well, uh, in Baltimore, I didn't really walk around the Inner Harbor this week. The the Inner Harbor has become so. Uh, it's just kind of a shopping mall. Um, last, when we were there yeah. in the wintertime, we went, we did go to Fort McHenry. It's the first time I'd been over there. And that was, that was well worth it, especially since on the same trip, we went to the, uh, Smithsonian and saw the actual, um, original Star Spangled Banner about which the, uh, anthem was written. Oh, wow. Cool. So that was, that was very cool. Um, and you know, I don't know if you're aware, there was a big, um, there was a big to do about the national anthem at some point in time last year, but you may not have been aware of that. I believe that uh, that will continue during the course of this season periodically based on the comments that come down by certain individuals. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm sure that that you'll get to write lots about that at some point in time this year. (laughs) Um, But let's talk a little bit about actual football since at some point in time here soon, uh, when exactly are the Cowboys going to report to training camp? The Cowboys will get on their charter one week from today, Evan. And so you they will arrive. They will arrive in Oxnard next Tuesday, late Tuesday afternoon at the Air Force Base. Their uh, state of the address will be a week from tomorrow, and then their first practice will be a week from Thursday. So we're on the 
we're on the clock, as they say. And how is it tough for you when you get out there to have to shuttle back and forth from your summer home on Catalina Island? <laughs> it is Catalina. When, when you when you factor in the time, uh, the ferry time on the water, yes, it takes quite a bit of time to get to practice every day. So I have to get up very early to leave from Catalina Island to get to uh, uh, that morning practice. I know, but it's worth it, isn't it, David? It is worth it. Uh, I, I've never actually been to Catalina, and I should say I don't. I don't think you're actually staying on Catalina, but it sounds good. It sounds good, and I think Catalina is yeah, really quite a ways from where we are. But the Channel Islands are close. The Channel Islands, all right. The, the islands are islands to me. They're all the same. If they got a beach, <laughs> and if they got a beach and a and a bar, I think everything's good, right? <laughs> well, a bar and a beach is a preferable order, but yes, I I agree with your assessment. All right, so when you get to training camp, uh, Demarcus Lawrence will be there. He'll be playing on the franchise tag, it appears. Yes, he will, yeah. Uh, yesterday was the deadline on that around the league where any player who had accepted the franchise tag, uh, clubs, those, had, those were applied in March, but clubs had until yesterday afternoon at 3 o'clock to work out a long-term deal with those players uh, that would put them under a, a long-term contract entering the 2018 season. The deadline passed, uh, not much movement on either side. I think both sides were content to play this out. And uh, so he will play on the franchise tag. So he doesn't have long-term security or a guarantee, but he is guaranteed $17.143 million this season. And, and the significance of this is that basically, I, I guess there's two ways to look at it uh, from, from a player's standpoint. Is one, you can look at it almost like uh, I would I would make the the um, the analogy uh, using my baseball background that this is like a final year of arbitration. A player gets a nice salary, but he doesn't necessarily get a long term deal, uh, and he can either put a lot of pressure on himself about having to perform for potential unrestricted free agency, uh, or he can, you know, sit there and say, I'm betting on myself and I know what I can do. How do you feel like Lawrence has reacted to this whole idea? Well, he's reacted, and we can talk about the reactions of other Cowboys in recent past who have done this, who have been much different. Uh, He's taken a very refreshing attitude. But I would say most players around the league, this this is viewed as a tool of management that keeps the player from getting what he wants to get or where he wants to go, which is, which is more guaranteed money and some long-term security. Uh, and, and especially in the NFL where uh, due to injury in, in many ways, it's much more of a year to year proposition. You could argue right. uh, than some of the other professional leagues, uh, a lot of players really resent one and two are insulted by having the uh, franchise tag put on them. Um, Des Bryant, in 2014, when the Cowboys put the franchise tag on him to prevent him from reaching free agency, uh, if you remember, uh, did not uh, come to any of the workouts in the offseason, pitched a fit, uh, was insulted, took it personally. Uh, DeMarcus Lawrence is not. DeMarcus Lawrence has said, uh, hey, that's great, I'm – you know, I'm getting paid either way. This is more money I've ever made before. And if I have another year like I just had, they're going to have to pay me more than they would right now anyway. 
So my, you know, I'm approaching it. I'm going to play. Um, I'm just going to jack up my price and I'm going to be so good. They're going to have no choice but to pay me. And if for some reason they choose not to, someone else will. So rather than focus on, I don't have long-term security, he has focused on, well, you know what? I kind of get it. I've only had one really big year, but if I put together back-to-back big years, what is my market value going to be then? And I really do believe I'm going to do that. So he's betting on himself. Uh, you know, here's a guy in his first four years in the league made $5.3 million total. He's making 17.1 this year. So he's, uh, he, he embraces this. And uh, talked to him about it a couple of months ago and said, asked, well, why, um, why do you embrace this? So many players don't. Why, why do you have such a good attitude about this? His response was, I'm not everybody else. I'm Demarcus Lawrence, and Demarcus Lawrence does what Demarcus Lawrence wants to do. And, uh, and so I, how can you argue with that, Evan? No, you really can't. I mean, I, I I think that that this is one of those cases where if you're a player, yeah, you always want long long term security. But let's let's face facts. If you're if you're being guaranteed a seventeen million dollar contract for one year, you've got what amounts to really good long term security for your for your family. Uh, would you like to maximize your value long term? Absolutely, uh, but I, I do think that it, it, whether it's baseball or whether it's the NFL, when you're in this situation where you basically got one year to really uh, expand your value, or if you, uh, he's going to get paid one way or another next year. It's not going to be like the guy's not going to have a job somewhere. Um, certainly there, you know, with football, I think there's a greater, uh, not, I think, obviously there is a greater risk for, for a, for a serious and catastrophic type injury, but in all likelihood, this guy's going to have a contract that's going to continue to make him, uh, very, very content for the long term financially. So I, I do think that sometimes, you know, agents get into guys' heads, uh, regardless of sport and they're talking about, uh, financial interests, and I think that in this case, Demarcus Lawrence and, and and other guys are approaching it from from the standpoint of this is a bet. This is a bet on myself. I've I've always bet on myself. I can bet on myself again, and all I have to do is go out and perform. Yeah, and uh, like I said, it's because too often I, I think. Uh, Agents make players feel they are entitled to something at a certain point early in their careers because of what other players are being paid around them. And, and look, it's just human nature. You look around and you go, well, I'm better than that guy, so I should be getting that money. But you, but you don't take into uh, account what the market forces were that got that player the contract, when it was, where that team was, and what it was trying to do. Uh, it's not always just about where you are. It's your talent level. And, uh, look, this is a case where I, I really think playing this out on the franchise tag makes sense for the Cowboys and for Demarcus Lawrence because uh, from the Cowboys' standpoint, you can say, well, this is ridiculous. You have, you have a guy with 14 and a half sacks last year. Uh, you finally have your pass rusher you've been looking for uh, since you, you know, Demarcus Ware. You let him go. 
uh, why aren't you tying this guy up long term? You're just going to have to pay more next year. Well, they'll have to pay more next year if he has another year comparable to this. But, you know, so often, uh, and this is where you have the, the difficulties, a player will have a breakout year and, okay, should he be paid like he's going to produce that for the rest of his career? Or was that his career year? You know, and uh, that, that's always the, that's always the negotiating point. And, and if you look at it from the Cowboys' standpoint, and they think very highly of Demarcus Lawrence, and he's played through some significant injuries. And, and, and as much as he did last year when he had 14 and a half sacks, in some ways they were just as impressed with him the year before when he only had one sack but he uh, uh, he made it through the season and played when he could have shut it down when he needed back surgery. So in a lot of ways, he's shown that he's about team, uh, that he will be out there even though we know his stats are going to suffer, and then he had the stats last year. So they really like him a lot. But step back and look at it. He's been in the league for four years. His sack totals are 0, 8, 1, 14 and a half. So he hasn't put together back-to-back seasons. He has missed time with a broken foot. He has had two back surgeries, and he also missed four games uh, with a suspension for violation of league substance abuse policy. So if you look at that and the consistency of it from the Cowboys' standpoint, they're willing to step back and say, okay, let's let this play out a little bit longer. And if he can build on what he did last season or put together a comparable season, then we're a lot more comfortable making that financial investment. So at this point, it really makes sense for both sides, uh, which sometimes it does not. But in this case, I really think it does. Having said all of that, if he has another big year and they franchise him again next year rather than give him a long-term contract, then I think the dynamics are much different. And uh, he's going to feel at that stage that, look, I've proven to you what I, who I am. Uh, why aren't you paying me now? Uh, I don't know if I am going to show up for the off-season program now. But that, that's down the road. There, there's no rumblings of that at the moment. We'll just see how this plays out. Yeah, I, I just feel like, uh, again, this is an example of, of, of how guys – and it's easy when it's not my money and it's not my long-term career. But this is how guys should approach this kind of stuff is – you control what you can control, and it was clear that that they didn't come to an agreement when the when the tag was applied in March, and there wasn't uh, was there much in the way of negotiation? Do you think over the last couple of months? There was not. They got together in uh, February, leading up to the tag being placed on it. I think both sides recognized that you know what it's going to be very difficult to reach a deal right now because. Uh, we're going off this one year. The Cowboys are looking at it a little bit differently. Um, so the, the fact there were there was relatively little negotiation, I think, leads to the fact that both sides felt, you know what, uh, it's hard for us to demand what we think DeMarcus is worth because of his body of work. But we're convinced this last year is what he really is. So let's not devalue this season. Let's go ahead and play this season on the franchise tag and then we'll really have uh, – we'll, we'll be able to come to the negotiating table with a much stronger stance. And uh, like I said, that's what they're doing. And, and, and here's the other thing. You, you always talk about long-term security, and, and players will say how the franchise tag uh, keeps them out of that. 
And, you know, worst case scenario, if you can't agree on a long-term deal, you can franchise him again next year. Now, the franchise number next year would be around 20, 21 million. So then you get into, you know, you can argue that you're losing long-term security and teams aren't having to pay what they should for these players and, and, and they're, you know, skirting around the guaranteed money. But the clubs come back and go, wait a minute. We just paid this guy 37 if they go franchise tag next year. You've just given him $37 million. It's all guaranteed. Right. Uh, that's guaranteed money. So is it as high as if he, if he signed a long-term contract? Uh, based on the numbers now, no, because you're looking at, uh, at that position, at that production. Uh, just, just to give you an example, uh, Olivier Vernon, when he went from Miami to the New York Giants two years ago in free agency, uh, he signed a, an $85 million contract which, guarantee, which averages $17 million, which is what uh, which helped determine what uh, Demarcus Lawrence is getting this year. But the guarantee was $52.5 million. Now, when Olivier Vernon went into free agency two years ago, he had 14 sacks combined in the previous two seasons. DeMarcus Lawrence had 14.5 sacks last year. Last year yeah. so, so if DeMarcus Lawrence follows up and has another double-digit sack season and has 24 to 25 sacks, here's a guy going into free agency at the same age as Olivier Vernon with 10 more sacks over a two-season span and is regarded as, as a better run defender in some ways as well. So what's the market up for him going to be? And that's what DeMarcus Lawrence is betting on. He's betting on... I'm going to get a guarantee. I'm, you know, if I have another year like this, and I'm to keep me from getting the free agency, you know, I'm going to get the highest paid contract in the league at the position potentially, if right. not one of the top two to three, and that's what he's betting on. He would not have gotten that this year if he had agreed to a contract. All right. Well, let's let's move into something else on the uh, on the Cowboys defensive line, and that is the potential reinstatement of Randy Gregory. What? What has to happen here, and what are the dates? And, and then let's get into a little bit about um, about what the Cowboys' hope would be for Gregory after missing a, a, a full season and really most of of sixteen. So you're you're talking about a guy being out for two years. Um, yeah, he basically played one game over the last two years. So, yeah. so what is the what's the key date now on the reinstatement uh, plan? Uh, you know, there, there's no key date per se. All of the heavy lifting's been done. Uh, one, it was it's him adhering to the program and, and submitting all of the paperwork that's required to apply for reinstatement. Uh, he's had his meeting with the league. Uh, now he just awaits a ruling from the league. The league is very aware that the Cowboys report to camp next Tuesday. Um, they have all the information they need. It's them making a decision. Um there is no need to prolong this decision. While there is no set date, I, I would be surprised if if we haven't heard something by Friday afternoon about whether or not Randy Gregory would be reinstated. Um, unless there's some smoking gun in here somewhere or there's some element that uh, has not come out yet or we don't know about, I would be surprised, very surprised, if Randy Gregory is not reinstated. So I would expect him to be on the training camp roster uh, and part of this team uh, going into training camp. 
But do you expect him to be part of this team going into two thousand into the two thousand eighteen season? Yeah, I think so. I think his talent level, uh, and especially you know, in some ways, he's he even more than Demarcus Lawrence uh, is not the classic pass rusher, which which sounds a, a little silly to say. The guy's come off fourteen and a half and. And, and I think the definition of pass rushers in the NFL is changing, too, because you're getting a lot of pressure from inside guys now who aren't that uh, on-the-edge, uh, fast-twitch sort of guy that you hear scouts talk about so much. Uh, Randy Gregory is that true right defensive end, fast-twitch guy uh, who, who really uh, explodes out of his stance. And he, he's more explosive than, than uh, Demarcus Lawrence. Now, that doesn't mean he's a better pass rusher, uh, but he has the potential uh, to do some things with that, his quickness and his explosion uh, that I don't think uh, really any other defensive end on this roster right now can do. So he's going to be – I would be very surprised if he's not uh, on the team going into the season. That being said, he's missed so much time. Uh, I do think uh, he's going to be a rotational player, and they hope to get something from him as the season goes along. He'll be a spot player uh, that, that will get maybe you know 18, anywhere from 14 to, to 18 snaps a game. Uh, and I think they will. Ro- they they do rotate on their line a lot to keep everyone fresh. But uh, the, the question with, with Randy Gregory beyond off the field has always been. Uh, just his frame uh you know is he physically he has the quickness but is he physically strong enough to withstand the rigors of the game uh you know as a rookie he got off to a great start like basically three sacks you know three sacks and pressures in a game and uh then he got a high ankle sprain and once once a guy once a defensive lineman has a high ankle sprain you just don't have that burst and it's difficult to get it for the rest of the year so then suddenly what he was he was a defensive end, an undersized defensive end, who's not as strong as the guys he's going against, who is not as quick as he was before. So it took him from what he was exceptional at doing to making him just an average guy and in some ways uh, a guy who wasn't going to give you much because he was undersized. Um, you know, he's, he's always had difficulty putting weight on, so we'll have to see what he does if he's able to keep his weight on uh, during camp. But from the people I've talked to who have been around him, and he hasn't been allowed to be around the team last year, right. uh, but from the people I know who have been around him, uh, he has taken his sobriety very seriously. Uh, he's, he's made some other changes in his personal life uh, to, to become a little more disciplined, and uh, they feel he's certainly, to say it's going to work or not, I don't think we know yet, but he has approached this conscientiously and very seriously from the people I've talked to. And it, 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 let's say the Cowboys get Gregory back. Let's say, as you as you mentioned, he works into the rotation. He gets 18 snaps, 20 snaps a game, something in, the, in that range. You've got Lawrence at the other at one of the defensive end positions. How how good can this pass rush be this year? Oh, I think it'd be very good. And, and the other guy is you have David Irving. He's right. going to miss the first four games. Uh, who's been remarkably productive in very short bursts uh, when he has been out there the last two seasons. So I think with with David Irving and Demarcus Lawrence at the level they're playing, uh, I think Taco Charlton. Uh, you saw you started to see signs 
uh, last year's number one pick. I think you started to see signs from him at the end of the season uh, that he was kind of catching on and, and, and could give you a little something. Um, you know, I, I think you have, um, you know, Malik Collins was hurt last year, but gave them, uh, from his rookie year, uh, gave them some pass rushing presence inside. Uh, and then you throw Gregory into the mix, where it's kind of almost like a designated pass rusher sort of thing. Um, I think this, I think this will be one of the more, you know, this was a defensive line that gave them very little for about six or seven years, and, and they made a big step last year. I think they'll make an even bigger step this year. I, I think uh, with who they have in place, if they don't have injuries, uh, I, I think they can be a, a top ten defensive line. And I think uh, that the key here is Demarcus Lawrence is going to get a lot more of attention. And if, if the David Irvings and Malik Collins and Taco Charlton and uh, Randy Gregory's should be able uh, to make up for that with some sacks. Um, I think their rotation is is right in the sweet spot uh, as far as what you should expect for production. So I think after all these years of, of their reclamation project of rebuilding the offensive line, you know, very quietly over the last four years, they have devoted resources and uh, more resources to the defensive line. And I think it's, it's finally taken hold, and I think you'll see it this season. All right, David, let's, before we let you go, let's get into one other thing because, you know, Tony Romo, Tony Romo may be retired uh, as a uh, football player, and we only spent last year talking about him as an announcer. But uh, he won the ACC Golf Championship, not the conference tournament, but the American Century Championship uh, for celebrities this past weekend. Um, are you surprised that this guy won uh, this, this, this very important title? What are you getting at there, Evan? Nothing. I, I well, I I like to talk about the the celebrity golf tournament. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're great <laughs> golfers, but it certainly does mean that they're celebrities. Um, and he beat, he beat yeah. former big. Well, league. he finished. You know, he's finished. He's finished second a couple of times. I mean, he's always one, one of the one of the. And this is not why he retired, but one of the frustrations for him over the last uh, three to four years. Uh, beyond his, their inability to have the success that that him and so many others wanted on the field, was that while he was dealing with all of these back injuries, he could not play as much golf as he wanted to in the off season. Um, now again, this was a secondary, an ancillary thing. I wouldn't even say it was a secondary thing because I mean his focus was on being ready for the football season. Um, but to be ready for the football season as he got older and he had all of these back injuries, he knew he couldn't continue to torque his back and put the, put the pressure on it with what a golf swing uh, requires. And so he, he – and I mean, he would swing the club, I think, a little bit here and there, but he basically gave up golf in the offseason over these last three to four years, and that's something – uh, the competitive side of him always really loved. And uh, he's been able to take that back up now. He's played more golf now than he has since early in his football career, probably in the offseason. And uh, he's always been pretty good, but he's just never had a prolonged period where he could stay with it. Uh, now he has, and, and I think he has aspirations 
beyond winning the celebrity golf tournament. Uh, I think he's going to be more active than just a celebrity golfer. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at some point if he tries to make an incursion into the, uh, um, you know, and in, in, in play in some uh, play in some professional tournament. Uh, what does it say that of the top 10 finishers at the American Century Championships, three were NFL quarterbacks? Romo finished first, Trent Dilfer was fifth, um, and Mark Rippin, uh, Rippin, I was eighth. Mm-hmm. What does that say? Quarterbacks play a lot of golf. I guess that's what it says. They do play a lot of golf. And, and you know, before you've had uh, John Elway, I think, uh, finish fairly highly up there. Uh, you've had quarterbacks periodically uh, finish pretty well in these tournaments. And and hockey players, which I find interesting as well. It's, quarterback, uh, it's, it's quarterbacks, well hockey players, and MLB pitchers is basically what it comes down to. Um, uh, yeah, and that tells you something about, I guess, the, the motions and, and uh, uh, the balance required to do what they do. Uh, I mean, so much of golf is, is the balance that you don't talk about a lot. Um, and, and the distribution of, of transferring the weight from one foot to the other uh, back to front and uh, – Maybe they just have a better fuel for that because of all the footwork they do. And just to, and just to follow up on that, Mike Madonna um, finished tie, in a tie for twentieth in the uh, in the tournament. So uh, there's. And a, I think he's been actually better than that before too. Uh, your, I think he's finished uh, higher before. Yeah. Your other former Dallas star. I guess if you want to, you know, Eric Gagne is a pitching coach. I don't know how he got the time off to do this, but he's a pitching coach in the Rangers minor league system at the rookie level. Uh, and he did pitch one season for the Rangers and did bring back David Murphy in a trade. He finished ninth. So uh, there's your there's your Rangers connection. I don't see a Mavs connection here. <laughs> I did not see one, no. Uh-huh. Um, I, I guess the closest would be uh, Seth Curry played, and Steph Curry used to play, his brother used to play for the Mavericks. Well, so Dale Curry finished 30th, point. and Dale Curry obviously is the father of Seth Curry. So. Exactly. There you go. Um, all right, David. The other, the other Tony Romo fact. I, I've noticed this uh, watching TV the last week or so. Uh, have you seen the Tony Romo Skechers commercial? I have not. Well, you know, there's a commercial. Not playing that in Europe. Uh, there's a Tony Romo Skechers commercial in which he talks about the very comfortable slip-on shoes and and going through the airport and everything and. And it features him with a TS a friendly a friendly TSA agent, which I've yet to run into that person. Um, <laughs> but the amazing thing about this is apparently Tony Romo doesn't have TSA pre-check, so he's got to take his shoes off when he goes through the airport. Yeah, that's that's really silly on his part. I, I, I would think CBS needs to do something about that. I, I would suggest that too. I mean, I I think that that he should have that written into his contract or the ad campaign he does. And the ad campaign purposely overlooked that and put in a, a a flaw that their their premise is flawed. Their whole ad campaign is flawed. No, saying, David, advertising flawed. <laughs> Come on, did you you know the one other thing? The only other thing I will say about the uh, the golf championship. Did you see Aaron Rodgers' video clip by any chance? Yes, I did. Yes. For throwing a pass from the tee box into Lake Tahoe and uh, hitting a guy jumping off a boat. This is very nice. Special moment for not. that young man. You know, I believe uh, Aaron Rodgers, I believe his uh, 
home is over in uh, Incline Village, which isn't far from there. Well, there you go. So it was his home course. Why did he finish? Uh, exactly. He should have been there. Yeah, that's that's quite an indictment on him, isn't it? Did Vinny Del Negro ever play for the Mavs? Do what? Did Vinny Del Negro ever play for the Mavs? No, he did not. Okay. Well, he he finished in the top twenty-two. So enough about the American Century Golf Championships. <laughs> David, will you be in here next week to, to join me? Because I think Kevin is still on vacation. He also is in a foreign land. I believe it is Arkansas. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that's the hills of Arkansas. The Ozarks is what we call that. Uh, Ozark, and you, Ozarkia. And if, you, and if you've seen Ozarks on Netflix, uh, I would have some serious questions about what he's doing up there. You think he may be laundering some money up there? <laughs> well, all I say is just Ozarks is on Netflix. Let me, watch that and what you think let me just say that kevin is such a wholesome fellow that if he was actually laundering money i think the way he would do it would be to wash it in the sink and then put some clothespins up and and dry it on a clothesline you don't consider jason bateman a wholesome guy uh no okay so i i would certainly would be honored and would love to do this with you next week but as you know i will be in Oxnard. Oh, great. So I can I'll do be, it from Oxnard. I guess phone. I'll be calling you at about 8 o'clock Oxnard time to do this. You probably will, yes. All right. Well, I'll be up. Uh, I know because you got to catch the ferry from uh, Catalina. So <laughs> maybe Catalina. I'll catch you. He'll be on that ferry ride. It'll work out perfectly. There you go. Maybe I'll catch you on the open waters. It'll, it'll be wonderful. Um, <laughs> David, thank you for joining us today. We're, we're glad that you had a fine time on the continent and that you, uh, that you enjoyed, I'm sure, many tapas and, and paella while in Spain. I hopefully a little bit of sangria and uh, what's your what's your favorite spanish wine david since you are the the wine expert in the department i i, I like many uh tempranillo is the dominant blend and i do like or the dominant varietal uh i do love me some tempranillo but i uh i would say grenache is my favorite of the spanish varietals i i i, I will take your word for that I have had a nice Tempranillo here and there, but uh, I'm not as much of the wine drinker as you are. So, um, and I, don't sleep on the Monstral either. A very underrated grape. Uh, I never, I never have. And if you sleep on it, um, <laughs> well, you may sleep after having it, but not well, on it. There you go. I, I did have. Uh, I will say this in Boston. Um, we uh, we had a really nice uh, Sangiovese with dinner, and uh, I do like a nice glass of Sangiovese, especially in the North End, which I think is as good an Italian neighborhood for eating as there is in the United States of America. I agree. Very diverse. All uh, all all regions of uh, Italy represented there: North, South. Uh, yeah, yeah, we we I had a, we had a great time there. We took a we took a one day break from eating lobster to uh, to go to the North End and do the whole Italian thing. And I just had I had a uh, a rigatoni dish that was just absolutely fabulous. So, um, all right, David, we will let you go. I'm going to prattle on here for another 15 minutes about uh, Ranger stuff. Um, I don't know okay. how I'll fill the time because it's been a forgettable first half, but. I'll talk to myself about the Rangers. Um, 
Oh, I thought you meant the first half of this interview. I'm oh sorry. no, <laughs> you meant the first half of the Ranger season. Uh, yeah, uh, I will. I will let you run because I can only imagine what spending thirty minutes on the phone with me must be like for most people. So, um, have a great. Better, better you than Kevin, though. So. Well, thank you, David. I appreciate you saying that. Certainly. All right. Well, travel safe to uh, to the great state of California, and uh, we will see you next week. Look forward to it. Thanks a lot. All right. Bye bye. So there goes David Moore. Um, fine Cowboys podcast that we had for you this week. We'll have a much more in-depth training camp look uh, next week on the Ballsy podcast. But in the meantime, let's get to a little bit of Rangers first half talk, and uh, we will see you back on the other half. Uh, until then, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>